Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This is our Christmas Eve service from Christmas 2020, and we hope you enjoy the message from Pastor Stephen Robles. Well, Merry Christmas Eve to everyone. Can you keep that applause going as we welcome our campuses as they join us live? South Shore with Pastor Hector, Plain City, and Pastor Michael, and everyone watching online. We are so, so glad. We're so glad you joined us tonight. Well, as you know, our lead pastors, Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara, they wanted nothing more than to be here tonight and to give the word. And he is feeling better, Pastor Greg, but he just couldn't make it. He's still not feeling well. So would you tell them how much you appreciate them on the other side of that camera? Pastors, we love you. We are praying for you. I believe you'll be back very soon. Amen. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your son. Father, we pray for our lead pastors. We pray that you visit them in their home, heal their bodies, give them strength, supernatural strength, dear God. Heal them quickly, Father. And God, I pray that on this night, Christmas Eve, that your presence is felt in so many homes, here, whoever's watching online at our campuses and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I have to tell you, Christmas Eve is probably one of my favorite nights of the year. It was my favorite night of the year growing up. You know, the anticipation was so thick, you could cut it with a knife almost, you know? I once saw it described like this as a quote. It says, I love the days after Thanksgiving and before Christmas where meaningful reflection intersects with heightened anticipation culminating in Christmas Eve. I love that thought. Meaningful reflection intersects with heightened anticipation. So I grew up in New York. I'm a New Yorker. Anybody else out there a New Yorker transplant? And so I grew up in New York, and so Christmas Eve, it was always cold and dark, and it just felt special. Something about it was just so special. And I had incredible parents, and they always made Christmas Day special, and they are still incredible. And it was just that anticipation the night before, knowing the next day was going to be awesome. But you know, Christmas Eve has been special throughout the years. It's always been special. And one of the most inspiring stories of Christmas Eve, I found, was the great Christmas Eve truce of World War I. You see, in World War I on Christmas Eve in 1914, British soldiers on one side and German soldiers on the other, they were in their trenches. This is a picture of World War I. If you didn't know, it took place in those trenches, and there was a no-man's land in between as they would battle it out. And on Christmas Eve in 1914, the British soldiers heard singing from the other trench from the German soldiers, and they heard singing of Christmas carols, Silent Night, in a little town of Bethlehem. And they began to sing it back. In the middle of the night, they heard this. Over no man's land, they heard a shout. It was a German trying to speak English, and they said, tomorrow, we no shoot, you no shoot. (laughs) And the next day, on Christmas morning, these soldiers got out of their trenches in an unplanned truce. The officers didn't know about it. They didn't even approve of it. But Christmas morning in 1914... British soldiers, French soldiers, and German soldiers all got up, went into the no-man's land where so many had given their lives before, and they shook hands, and they shared stories. And these are some pictures of those soldiers on that day. Some soldiers even recall that there was a game of kickball that day between the German soldiers and the British. If you go to that next picture, yeah. It was just a beautiful story. And so maybe some of you, if your family is maybe not... uh, in the best times right now, and maybe they're struggling, just tell them, if it could happen in World War I and you can call a truce, you can do it on Christmas Day, amen? 
And so as I was thinking of what makes Christmas Eve so special, what is it about tonight that is so special that we celebrate? And yes, it's the birth of Jesus, but I believe it's something even deeper. You see, as Christians, there's about four miracles that are core to our Christian faith. They make up the foundation of what we believe. And there are many miracles in the Bible. The splitting of the Red Sea and people going up in flaming chariots and just incredible miracles. But these four actually make up a large part of our belief. Number one, it's the creation of the universe. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the Latin they say ex nihilo, out of nothing God created. And while we don't celebrate that a lot, it's pretty obvious the universe is here. And so I think it's fair to say it was created. And so if you do want to celebrate it, I recommend Earth Day. You can celebrate the creation of the universe then. But the creation of the universe is a big miracle. And number two, obviously, the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate it every Easter. The resurrection of Jesus is his seal of divinity. It is his proof that he was, in fact, God himself. He rose from the dead. And while we don't see dead men raised very often today, I believe that there is extraordinary evidence historical basis to believe the resurrection truly took place. And so that miracle, Jesus truly rose from the grave, is number two, the resurrection of Jesus. Number three, the miracle of the Virgin Mary. In the theological term, we would call it the Immaculate Conception. We talked about it on the weekend if you were here, the angel Gabriel telling Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And while this might be difficult to understand or grasp, If God created the whole universe, I think God can create a single child, and it's well within his grasp. Amen? Amen. The virgin birth. But the fourth miracle is what we celebrate tonight. The fourth miracle is one of the central miracles of our faith, and it's called the incarnation. The incarnation is the theological word for God became flesh and dwelt among us. We read it on the weekend, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God in the beginning. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, while the Immaculate Conception is one event, the birth of Jesus, what we celebrate tonight, is the moment of the incarnation, when God became man. And of those four miracles, the creation, the resurrection, the conception, and the incarnation, I'll be honest, this one is difficult to understand. Because Jesus was not part man and part God. You see, he was all God in the form of all man. He was not 50-50. He was not part in part. He was all in all. But how can Jesus be 100% God and 100% man? I may not be a mathematician, but that's one too many percents. (laughs) And we don't have a book in the Bible called Second Calculus to explain it. What do we make of the incarnation? I'm going to admit it's difficult. We don't have a periodic table of Jesus. There's no mathematical formula. There's no diagram to interpret in Scripture. But I believe if we look at Jesus' life, we can see the incarnation fully taking place. So if you're taking notes, it's just two points tonight. Number one, Jesus was fully God. Jesus was fully God. You see, if you look at some of the events in Jesus' life, he is unequivocally and undoubtedly the Son of God. Very quickly, number one, he claimed to be God. 
As he stood before the Sanhedrin before he was crucified, in Mark chapter 14, they asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. He performed many miracles. We know he healed many, the sick, the lame, the blind, performing miracles throughout his entire life. He controlled the winds and the waves. You remember the story when he's with the disciples in the boat and a strong storm comes. And Jesus in Mark chapter 4 verse 39 says, silence, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Even the disciples said, who is this? Even the wind and sea obey him. Also, he forgave sins himself. When he encountered someone who needed forgiveness, Jesus said, I forgive you. When the paralytic was lowered down through the roof by his friends in needing of healing, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus says, sons, your sins are forgiven. Jesus had the power to forgive sins. Jesus also claimed to be judge over eternity. In Luke chapter 12, it says, I say to you, anyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And finally, as I said before, he was resurrected from the dead. So throughout the New Testament, claiming to be God, performing miracles, the wind and waves obeying him, forgiving sins, claiming to be judge, and finally being resurrected, I believe it's clear that Jesus was God. But now comes the harder question. The second point, Jesus was fully man. You see, when we think about Jesus, we think of the miracle worker and the healer, the one who was crucified and rose again. But do we see Jesus as a person? Do we see Jesus as a human being, God in the flesh? I believe we do. Jesus was fully man. Very quickly, let me show you a few examples. Number one, Jesus experienced hunger. Some of you might be experiencing it right now. You see, in Matthew chapter 4, as he was going into the wilderness to be tempted, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. After 40 days, he might have even been hangry. And it wasn't just then. Amazingly, after Jesus dies and is resurrected from the dead, we see him hungry again. Luke chapter 24, verse 39 to 41, Jesus appears to his disciples. He says, look at my hands, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. While they were still amazed and unbelieving because of their joy, he asked them, what do you got to eat? <laughs> so he was hungry, just like we are. Number two, Jesus got angry. You see, the Bible says, be angry, yet sin not. And we see several times where Jesus expressed a righteous anger when someone was defiling the temple or defiling God's name. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 and 13, it says, Jesus went into the temple complex, drove out and selling in the temple, and he overturned the money changers' tables and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be a called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. There's an exclamation point at the end of that verse. He was mad. So Jesus got hungry. We see Jesus got angry. But also, number three, Jesus found joy. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 11, I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You see, Jesus experienced joy as well. 
And I love this story when Jesus is preaching on the mountainside and children begin to come to him. Mark chapter 10 in verse 13, it says, some people were bringing little children to him so he might touch them. But his disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. I believe Jesus experienced joy. But also, number four, Jesus felt sadness. You would think the God of the universe who could heal anyone and raise someone from the dead, you'd think they would be free of sadness. But Jesus was fully God and fully man. And when he heard of his friend Lazarus dying, he went to him. And Lazarus's sister Mary was angry with him because she said, if you were here, my brother would not have died. But watch what Jesus does. In John 11, Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. I think Jesus experienced some mixed emotions like we do too. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And then the shortest verse in scripture, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Number five, Jesus suffered. In Luke 22, we see Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, anticipating the suffering he's about to go through. And it says, being in anguish, he prayed more fervently. His sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus suffered just as we do. And to share in our mortality, six, Jesus died. Luke 23, verses 44 to 46 is the crucifixion account. And in the end, it says, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. And saying this, he breathed his last. You see, looking at the life of Jesus, I believe it's fully evident that he was fully God and he was fully man. The incarnation, what we celebrate tonight on Christmas Eve, the miracle of the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, it is true. And I believe when you look at the person of Jesus, you will know it to be true. Did he have to be human? Did God have to come and bring on flesh like he did? In order to pay the price for our sins, it required a physical sacrifice. And so that his death on the cross would pay for the sins of everyone, he became man. I believe that's the primary reason. But I also believe Jesus came in the flesh so that we can have comfort and understand that Jesus knows what we're going through. That whatever we experience in this life, when we pray to him and ask for comfort, he understands exactly how we feel. And so tomorrow is Christmas Day, and we celebrate Christmas, and it's a joyous occasion. And so if tomorrow you're looking forward to it, and it's going to be exciting and joyous, sharing gifts and being with family and friends, rejoice. Thank God for that. That is a gift. He will share in that joy with you. But if you're uneasy about tomorrow, Maybe this Christmas is the first one without a loved one. Maybe you're not sure if you're going to be alone tomorrow without friends or family. Because of the miracle we celebrate tonight, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, 
he can understand that too. And as you look to his face and pray, God, help me, give me peace, comfort me, he knows what you're going through even now. We talked about on the weekend that his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And I believe because he was fully man, we can know that he fully knows us when he is with us. And whatever it is tomorrow, a joyous occasion, sadness, unsurety, whatever it is, his shoulders are big enough to carry it all. I love the verse in Isaiah 9, 6. To us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Amen. Now, we don't want a moment to go by when we have a service like this. And if you're saying, I want to know this Jesus, I want to give my life to him even now, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes across all our campuses and you watching online, and we're going to pray a simple prayer. And I want you to repeat it with me. And as you pray it tonight, you are saying, I give my life to Jesus even now. And we're all going to pray it together so you're not alone. Everyone says, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross. Forgive me of my sins. Teach me to follow you the rest of my life. And now with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that was you, if you would slip up a hand, just for a moment, we want to celebrate with you. No one's looking around at the count of three. If that was you, raise your hand. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand today? Say, I'm giving my life to Christ today. Amen. I see that hand. No one's looking around. I see that hand. There's still time. If you're saying tonight, I want to give my life to Christ. Amen. I saw that hand. Anyone else? Well, praise God. Church, would you look up here and celebrate as hands went up even tonight? What a beautiful Christmas Eve, giving your life to Christ. Amen. So good. And even if you're online, if you said, I want to give my life to Christ, there's a number on the screen. You can text the word Jesus to that number, and we'd love to connect with you and walk with you on this next step. Now, if you would stand with us here at the Tampa campus, and if you're at home, we're going to sing O Holy Nights, and we're going to do our candle lighting. It's going to be a beautiful moment. Thank you for coming, and Merry Christmas to everyone around the world in here. We hope you enjoyed this Christmas Eve message. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com crossingchurch, where you can watch all of our on-demand messages, and we have videos for students, young adults, kids, and all ages. We can't wait to worship with you next weekend.